welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Amen. So what we want to do very quickly tonight is look at some practical ways of increasing your faith. I've got 10, 10 of them. We're going to whisk through them really, really quickly. 10 things that you can do. And I reckon at least nine of them you already know. Which goes to show knowledge alone is not enough. You'll sit there and go, I, I, I know that. I know that. How about instead of ticking off the things you know, how about we tick off the things we're doing? How's that for a deal? Instead of ticking off the things that I mentioned tonight that you know about, how about we tick it only if we are doing it on a regular basis? And then we'll give ourselves a score out of 10 at the end of this. How does that sound? So 10 things that can help you practically increase your faith. The first one is read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. Read your Bible. Because like James said, there's always going to be someone who says something contrary to the Word of God. Some will say this, some will say that. Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And some said Jeremiah, some said Isaiah, some said this prophet, some said that prophet. And, God, and Jesus went, oh, that's okay. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And they all went silent, except Peter. By divine revelation, he said, you are the Christ, you're the Son of the living God, you're the Messiah, you're the one who was to come, you're the one who is to come, you're the one who's going to come. You are that guy. You're that guy. We need the Word of God to combat all the other words and all the other voices that are out there. And I would encourage every one of you to have a time and a place where you read your Word on a daily basis. How often should you read the Bible? Well, how often do you hear other people talk to you? You should read your Bible at least that often. If you hear other people talk to you at least once a day, then you should read your Bible at least once a day to combat all the other thoughts and negativity that is out there. I encourage you to get up just that little bit earlier and have a time where you read your Bible. I don't want to impose that as a legalistic ritual or rule, but I want to tell you it has served me well. I've been reading my Bible on a daily basis since the age of 15. It's a discipline that our two oldest kids have got in the practice of, and it's going to serve them well. Read your Bible on a daily basis. And don't just read it, meditate upon it. Ask it questions. You know, there's something to be said for getting through your Bible, the whole Bible in a year. If that's your thing, do it. But what I would say is when you're reading, if you don't understand something, write down what you don't understand. Ask questions. Ask the Word of God questions. And meditate upon the things that we are reading. This is not a how to read your Bible message. This is just to encourage you to read your Bible. Secondly, pray. It's like two out of two. I knew that. I knew that. Are you doing it? I didn't say if you ever read the Bible once. I'm saying, are you doing it on a regular basis? Are you praying on a regular basis? In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. In other words, they had a time of prayer and they had a place of prayer. They made it their ritual, a time and a place. I think it would serve us well to have a time and a place where we spend praying. Yes, you can pray when you're driving the car. My only advice is do not pray in the car while you're driving with your eyes shut. Make sure your eyes are open. The Bible does say, watch and pray. <laughs> These are all the 1980s jokes coming to the... 
dad jokes. Paul Benithan told me those jokes. <laughs> and the same kind of laughter came. <laughs> we used to go to Paul. <laughs> we tolerated him just like you're tolerating me right now with these little jokes. It's awesome. But please, 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 come on, pray. What is prayer? It's just simply talking to God. And prayer is not just complaining to God. You might say, well, the Psalms, David starts complaining. Yeah, he might start complaining, but he doesn't finish complaining. There's got to come a time in your prayer where you have a revelation that you are in the presence of holiness, you're in the presence of greatness, and that's got to break in above our complaint. And so my question to you, if you really are praying, I'd love to know how you're praying. What, what, what do you tell God? What are you asking of God? Is it, oh God, I never, I never knew. That's not prayer, that's just complaining. Just think about it for a minute. Just, just think about this for a moment. If someone comes to you and they're always negative, always whinging, always complaining, do you want to hang around them? Do, do you? No. But if someone says, man, I've had a tough week, but you know what? They say, well, go on. You can get excited about that. I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. That gets exciting. But just whinge, complain, whinge, complain, whinge, complain, whinge, complain. <laughs> Just a little bit crazy. Number three, read. Read books. Read biographies of people of faith. Remember as a young man in particular, I used to read all these heroes of the faith. All these men and women who had done great things to God. It just fed my spirit and encouraged me. If you've never read a good biography or autobiography, I encourage you, get to the resource center and purchase something today and read it. Inspire yourself. Feed yourself. In Hebrews 13, verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You meant to have some heroes in the faith that you can emulate. How many of us as young kids growing up had, had heroes, sporting heroes? I remember back in the day, I used to go for Glenelg Football Club before I, I, I saw the light and went for Central Districts. But back in the day, I went for Glenelg. And that's when Peter Carey and, and Fred Phyllis and Wayne Phyllis, they were brothers. And I would be going, and Wayne Phyllis lines up, he's on the 50-yard line. I'd, just, I'd, just be, I'd be like, wow, emulating these heroes of mine. How much more emulating the heroes of our faith? I remember reading about a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. And as a teenager, I'd say, wow, what incredible stories. I remember one story, this man, was, uh, this woman was in need of healing. And uh, he, he calls this woman out the front and two men are holding him up. And he says, let her go. And they let her go and she fell to the floor. And everyone went, <gasps> I mean, just think of it, if I did that right now and they just fell to the floor, he goes, pick her up. And they, okay, <laughs> I mean, the authority just to pick her up again. I mean, you might think, I'm not picking her up. But they're like, okay, yes, sir. Let her go. She falls to the floor again. Some woman's irate in the congregation. She shouts out, leave her alone. Which probably sounded like, leave her alone. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth just says, quiet woman. I know my business. Pick her up. I'm reading like this, what's going to happen? You want to know what's going to happen? This is what I inspire you, get the book. My next point. See, you who say, I don't like reading, reading's not for me. You're robbing yourself. 
I was one of those kids at school, I didn't like reading either. And I remember saying to God, I'm not one of those guys that reads. I thought I had a great, you know, left school at a certain, I thought I had the perfect out. And I felt the Holy Spirit just remind me of something. Okay, don't read, but it's your loss. I said, what? What? Loss? I don't like losing, I like winning. God's using my language, you know, like loss. I'm like, loss, this loss, I, I, I don't do loss. I do win, slaughter. Young uh, Macca won his soccer today, 24 nil. I'm into that. For me, winning never gets old. So, uh, it'd be good if the other team, no, it wouldn't. Win. Uh, it's, it's getting boring. We're always winning. No, it's, winning's never boring. So, so God says, you're lost. I'm saying, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. you got my attention. What do you mean loss? Well, there's all this great stuff out there. You're not getting it if you don't read. So, okay. And so what I did, I didn't go for the biggest, thickest book. I just knew I didn't have the faith for that. I went for the skinny ones with big pictures, big words. I started reading. I thought, well, that was good. And I set myself up for a win. I thought, wow, I finished a book. The fact that it had you know, 80 pages and the wording was that big didn't matter. I finished a book. And so when Pete said, oh, I'm halfway that book, I said, oh, I finished mine. Pete's book was that thick, but mine was that thick, but I finished my book. You said, on that old thing, mate, I've finished three books in the time you've had. But that's where I started. Start, people. If you're not a reader, start somewhere. Just humble yourself and say, look, I'm much of a reader, uh, but you know, something of what Tony shared today has just been helpful, and so I, I just want to read. And we'll, we'll, I'll get my six-year-old daughter to help you find a book. Anyway, Smith Wigglesworth, pick her up. Now the third time. Now I, I don't know what it looked like, but I've got when I when I read stuff, I got this picture of these guys. Pick her up. That's not in the book, but this is my imagination. Can you see it? Sweating like. If I pick her up, I'm going to get a stone from the congregation. If I don't, he's going to... It's just a tricky situation. It is. And God's going, pick her up. Pick her up. Did you feel that? Wow, God is here. It's just amazing. Sense that. Did you feel that? It's amazing. God obviously wants me to continue my story. I'll go on. Just pick her up. They pick her up. Now let her go. Third time, she's able to stand completely healed. I don't know what the woman in the congregation was thinking. But well, he didn't have to do it. He could have done it another way. I think the woman who got healed said, I don't care. I mean, there's some crazy stories in the Bible. Jesus putting mud in the guy's eye. Oh, couldn't he have done it a better way? It's not very hygienic. It's actually not very hygienic. Here's mud in your eye. But you know what? If you're born blind, you can't see, and somebody does something weird like putting mud in your eye, and you can see afterwards, I don't really care. I'm just glad I can see. Now, if you've never heard that story before, you just robbed yourself of some incredible faith-building stories. 
that are readily available. That's just one that that man did. And that's just one man among the hundreds and thousands of great men and great women that have gone before us to encourage you in your faith. Read. Number four, live healed. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, which doesn't mean that people will be peaceful towards you, but you can be peaceful towards people. That's what it's saying. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. Isn't it amazing that the number one show on television right now is called Revenge? We kind of live vicariously through the show. We know as Christians we're not allowed to take revenge, but kill her, kill, kill. So all you Christians that love revenge, you've got to ask yourself this, why do you love it? You've got to live healed. You know, I learned some lessons, you know, long before I was in ministry about ministry because God was preparing me just like he was preparing Jazz when she was doing this CPR course, not ever knowing that this was going to come into play in her house one day with her father. Didn't know, but just did the training. And I remember as a young uh, apprentice sign writer and, 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 then, and then finishing my apprenticeship and then going on in my own business and, and dealing with certain types of people uh, who, who didn't want to pay for the incredible work that I'd done and having to stand up and, 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 and to be authoritative and getting my money and, and then at times going to the place only to find that they've left and I never got paid for the work that I'd done. And it taught me some things about ministry unbeknownst to me. It taught me to give my best even when people give you their worst. I remember there's a place down in Henley Beach. I did the whole thing from top to bottom, did all these murals. It was you know, thousands of dollars of work. It took me two or three weeks just working in that place. And I went down there one day to collect my money. It was all gone. All gone. Never got a cent for it. And at that moment, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? You're going to sulk, you're going to whinge, you're going to complain. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? I realized at that moment, it wasn't about the guy. It wasn't about his business. It wasn't about anything else other than me. God was trying to do something in me. And so I've got this dilemma. How small is my strength? Well, I don't, I don't like small, I don't like little, and I don't like um, uh, losing. And so I, you know, I want big and great and, 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 and influential. And so I, I don't want to be known as the guy with small strength. I want to be able to get through this. I want to be able to be the guy that can handle people's worst and give them my best. I'm going to live healed. Been in the same church for 19 years. Leading a church for 19 years, you get in the firing line, you better believe me. But I want you to know that it's possible to live at peace with everyone, even if people aren't at peace with you. That's got to be our testimony. If we're going to stay in faith... We can't lose our peace. We've got to guard our peace. You've got to guard your heart, the Bible says, because it's a wellspring of life. If you lose your peace, you're going to lose your faith. Number five, resist temptation. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, that he's given us grace to say no to ungodliness. The grace isn't just unmerited favor. Grace is a supernatural strength, and it teaches us to say no to certain things. Say no. I remember as an eight-year-old, we used to go down the gully where there was a pipe and that's where everyone smoked and that's where everyone tried to you know, get a little bit of alcohol into their bodies as eight-year-olds and I was just never a part of that because you know, I, I was taught different and I was taught bigger and better things but that never stopped the peer pressure. You might be a great parent but you can't stop the peer pressure. Our job as parents is to help kids process 
the moments when pressure comes from their peers. And I never get this one day, I know you've heard the story, but this one day uh, they were all smoking, they kept offering me a cigarette. I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna have a cigarette. I don't want a cigarette. If you give me that cigarette, I'm gonna throw it in the water. If you give me that cigarette, I'm gonna throw it in the water. They kept pushing me and pushing. So I, I said, give it here. And I grabbed the cigarette. I'm eight years of age. I'm not even the, I'm not even the oldest guy there. And there's something, something, there's a fire in my gut. I'm, I'm just, I was just so mad. I was so annoyed. And I threw it in the water. If an eight-year-old can do that, we can do that. I didn't know a fraction of what I know today. But I knew something about the Spirit of God, even at that age. You can say no to people. You can actually say no. I never get as a 17-year-old. All my stupid mates started to get into marijuana and smoking dope and, and doing all their things, bonging on and all the rest of it. That's what we used to call it back in the day. I don't know what you call it now, but that's what we used to call it. Oh, bonging on. Hey. Uh, do you want to do, 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 do that? And, you want, you know, and we're like, I, I don't want to I, I do that. And I never get this one time. We go around someone's house and, and we would, I was led to believe. That's the only reason I went around there was going to watch this video. And uh, lo and behold, they start getting this bong out and they start... And I just got mad. I got mad as hell. And I just stood up. I said, hey, don't invite me and your stupid parties if you're going to do that stuff. Take me home. I couldn't even drive. All my mates drove me there. I said, take me home now. I said, calm down, Tony. They put everything away and we just watched the video. We're meant to be influencers. We're meant to be We can say no. We can say no. And you don't have to be guilty about it. I want to do a teaching on, on how to say no without feeling guilty. You don't have to feel guilty. So well, maybe that's a bit too hard. Really? I felt pretty good about myself. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Live healed. Resist temptation. Hold on to the good. That's what it says in Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. A lot of stuff's going to happen to each and every one of us in this life. Some good. Some great, some bad, some ugly. In the good, hold on to the good. In the great, hold on to the good. In the bad, hold on to the good. In the ugly, hold on to the good. Hold on to the good. That's what the Bible says, hold on to the good. Going through a tough time, hold on to the good. When we said farewell to Denise, sad day, going to miss her. But we held on to the good. We remember the good things. Remember the good times. Hold on to the good. The fact that she's with Jesus, the fact that we're going to see her one day, hold on to the good. It's a word for someone. You've got to hold on to the good. Remember this, life is good. People are beautiful. God is great. I believe that. I don't care if people give me their worst, but I believe people are beautiful. I do. Jesus hangs upon a cross in his loneliest, most painful hour as a human being, he looks down at those mocking him. He says, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. Hold on to the good. Because stay in faith. You've got to hold on to the good. I need the musicians to come up here. What are we up to? Number seven. Come on, musicians. Quick, 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 quick. Number seven. Watch your words. Watch your words, Tess. Watch your words. Got to speak faith words. You have an opportunity to speak life or death, the Bible says. What are you going to speak when you're faced with a situation? Are you going to speak life 
or are you going to speak death? The, the tongue has the power of life and death. You've got to speak faith words. What do you do when you're going through tough moments? Is it, oh, you know. got to speak faith words. Someone's giving you a hard time, look in the mirror and say, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. Got to keep good company. Number eight, nine. No, eight is praise God. Got to praise God. Sing aloud. I don't sing well, but I sing lots. That's, that's the difference. I sing all the time. My wife sings all the time. She's not great. She's even worse than me. That's hard to believe, I know. But why not? As a young kid, I used to sing Kiss songs. As a teenager, I used to sing Bruce Springsteen songs. In Excess songs, Cold Chisel songs, Jimmy Barnes songs. If I can sing their songs, can't I sing God's songs? I've got to sing. Praising God. Our kids are always singing. In actual fact, whenever we have international guests come and stay with us, they'll often refer to our kids and their singing. And they'll often say, you know what I'm going to miss most? It's wake up in the morning to your kids singing. And me and Kath look at each other and say, what, are we chopped liver? I mean, like, come on, what are we? <laughs> but it's a beautiful thought. The kids are singing. Even today, BJ had her friend slash cousin, Michaela, over. And they're having church service. We are running. I love it. Why not? Psalm 150 says, praise God 13 times. It says where we should praise Him. In the temple, in the heavens, everywhere. Why should we praise Him? Because of who He is and what He does. How should we praise Him? With our voices, with our bodies, with instruments. That's what it says in Psalm 150. Who should praise Him? It says, let everything that has breath. You're breathing. Just, just do this for me. Just do that. Just check your pulse. Got a pulse. The only reason that you can be forgiven for not praising God is if you're not alive. It says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. That's me. Stand in front of a mirror next time, breathe on it, and if it fogs up, you've got breath. You've got to praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath, you're not the exception. Just praise Him. Didn't say, sing in the key of D. Elise, give me a break. <laughs> Not everyone's as good as you when it comes to singing. But I can go, what? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I lost my confidence. <laughs> Just realised where I was. So you got breath? Praise Him. Number nine, keep good company. Elise, just leave me alone. People that encourage you, Elise. Because this I know, you become like those you hang around. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What you and I need are people that make our baby leap. What? Well, well, remember the account where Mary 
had this angelic visitation and she found out for the first time that she's pregnant. And the angel said, your cousin, Elizabeth, she's also pregnant. She's a little bit further ahead of you. But... And it doesn't say that Mary was told to visit Elizabeth. I just think there was something Elizabeth or uh, Mary that thought, you know what, I, I got to see, the, I got, I got to be around people who who are who are kind of experiencing something of what I'm experiencing. There's got to be some people who can kind of help me through this. Someone who's been through what I've been through. Someone who can who can just encourage me at this time. And so she goes off to see her cousin Elizabeth, and the Bible says that when Mary came to Elizabeth's house and there was a greeting, Elizabeth said, "The baby inside my womb leapt for joy." You need someone in your life that makes the dreams leap for joy. Something makes the prophetic promises leap for joy. It doesn't just come and pour cold water over all that you want to do for the things of God. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Now, someone doesn't have to be a bad person to be bad for you. You need people that are friends of your destiny, friends of your future. Probably one of the saddest things that I've experienced over 19 years, and even longer than that, to be honest, is walking with people closely, and then their hunger dies, and the distance gets bigger, and you have to leave them behind. That's sad. But for the sake of, you might say, "Well, that's horrible, Tony." But what you got to do is put that thought in context with this thought. If there's anything that I do. Or Pete does, or the eldership team does that you appreciate. No, it's come through letting people go. We wouldn't be here tonight. This church wouldn't exist if I just hung around people who didn't want to grow. If I just hung around some of my friends just because they're my friends. If I hung around some people just because you know we grew up together, played soccer together. This, what took place this morning. What we're doing into Indonesia right now, vicariously through Tony and Jean. What what we're doing in the community, the name and the favour that we are gaining amongst politicians. None of that would have happened. And so sometimes we've got to go ahead to build a safe place for people to be able to come and return. And we're seeing that all the time. I mean, only just recently saw some an old friend come back and say, "Look, I want to come back home." I said, "You're welcome. Come on, you're welcome." Because if you're living healed, you'll always welcome people back. You always welcome people back. I remember asking Dudley Daniel, an incredible mentor and influence in my life, about this very thing. How, how do you know who to? How do you know how to do that? And he said, "This Tony, look for the hunger." Look for the hunger. You don't want to waste your time with people who aren't hungry. There's a lot of people in this world, and you want to give your best to people who are hungry. Hang around the right people. Keep good company. Otherwise, you'll lose your faith as quick as that. Anyone who's been a Christian for a number of years would have said, can say yes and amen. We've seen people. Paul wrote about it in the scriptures. Where's all your joy gone? I remember the day when you would have done anything for me. Now I can't even get you to say hello. What happened? The company you're keeping. And the last one is simply this. Take up the challenge. Act now. Say yes to the challenges of God. 
It's no good saying, I want to grow, I want to be more like Jesus, and then just ignore every challenge that comes your way. So I want to be more like you, Jesus. And you say, that's great. And, it, and you'll make, you know, there'll be a problem at work the next day. That's an answer to your prayer. How are you going to respond? Like Jesus? He's not going to make us like him in the safety of a meeting like this. That's easy. We can all be like Jesus. We're just sitting there. But it's in the midst of persecution. It's in the midst of opposition. It's in the midst of losing your job. It's in the midst of seeing the death of a loved one. That's when we have the opportunity. And I've just learned over the years to turn every dark moment into an opportunity to to be like Christ. In actual fact, when I'm persecuted, mistreated, that's when I actually feel most like Jesus. That's when I kind of feel closest to Him. Circumstances force those moments. Christianity is not easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. But it is worth it. And it starts with us keeping our eyes on Him. Staying in faith requires us keeping our eyes on Him. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened in order that you may know Him. Not know about Him. Not yet to know Him. I love Jesus more now than ever before. I'm not doing this because I'm getting paid. I'm not doing this because of my job. I love Jesus. He's changed my life. He's changed my life. He's been with me in my highest moments and my lowest moments. He never leaves, never forsakes. He rebukes me, he encourages me, he corrects me, he adjusts me, and I'm a better person for it. I love Jesus. My ride, this last 19 years leading church has been the biggest roller coaster of my life. I have no regrets. Love it. In the natural, there's lots of things I wish never happened. But with the benefit of hindsight, I'm glad it did. Because it's made me who I am today. And what I'm sharing today can be true for you. And so your homework is this. Get those 10 things. Write them all down. Put a box next to it. And honestly do an assessment. How many of those things can you say, I'm doing? And if you've got four out of 10... Well, that gets you from grade six to grade seven. It's a fail. And so we've got to start adding these things to our lives. If, if, if we're serious. Hey, look, you don't have to do any of it, of course. That's the incredible freedom we have. We actually don't have to do any of it. Because God leaves room for us to answer this question. What do you want? That's a gracious God. Doesn't make us robots. Leaves choice and I love him for it. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.